Hello and welcome to another episode of Jed Talks. My name is Jed Shepard and I am your host. Before we get on to the great interview we have today with the writer-director Damien Levesque and his wife and producer Natalie Levesque um, and they are the team behind the great Shudder film that's out today which is called The Cleansing Hour. It's great, it's a great interview. Uh, to update you a little bit on what kind of films are out right now. Um, I went to watch Saint Maud with Rob Savage, director Rob Savage, a special preview on Tuesday. Uh, and as the kind of posters and everyone you've seen on Twitter has, has said, Saint Maud is the real deal. It is really, really, really good. Um, we sat down to watch it and I was apprehensive because this had been kind of promoted as the scariest film of 2020, um, much like Host was. Um, and it definitely sideswiped me. I did not expect what I saw. Really enjoyed the whole thing. The locations are amazing. The performances are amazing. Uh, Morford Clark, who plays the lead, who plays Maud, is absolutely incredible. And the director from Rose Glass, th- this is her first film. I cannot believe this is her first film and it's so, so good. It's amazing and it, I definitely did not see where it was going. So really, really, really impressed. Um, and it's out today, I believe, in 250 cinemas in the UK, which is great. Some of them will be closing tomorrow, unfortunately, but you will still be able to see it all around in independent cinemas, places like the Curzon. Um, and the Rio and the Genesis Cinema, they're still open. And hopefully in the Prince Charles Cinema at some point, if you're in London. Um, but I cannot stress how great um, St. Maud is. And they've really got a, a, a hit on their hands, I think. And in other circumstances, if we weren't in a lockdown situation, I think St. Maud would be such a massive, massive crossover hit. And then on to the films that are at London Film Festival, because London Film Festival is this country's most prestigious best film festival it's the one everyone wants to get in and uh because it's kind of a cut down film festival because of the lockdown situation and they're not doing very many actual screenings um it means that the films that they've chosen don't include a lot of horror films and my one bugbear about this particular festival is they don't lean into horror as much as i'd like them to um horror is still a dirty word in some circles uh, but they do have some horror films and i have seen all of them I, I i believe one film that they have is relic which is about a grandmother who has gone missing so the daughter and the granddaughter go to her house to try and find what's going on and find her in a bit of a state and to be honest it's not really my cup of tea um i really wish it was because i do want to support all horror films but relic wasn't really it for me but i but please do go see it don't let me put you off better is possessor from brandon cronenberg and the apple does not fall far from the tree because possessor is an absolute mind-blowing movie about um this new technology a little bit like kind of the stuff that his dad did in like existence existence is that how you say it and it's about these assassins that use brain implant technology to kind of leap into other people's bodies and they use those people's bodies to infiltrate situations and assassinate their their victims and it is bizarre but but brilliant and like i say it's absolutely mind-blowing and it's great that someone out there is making a film like this because wow 
wow is all I can say. So really track that down because it is a bizarre moment in, in cinematic history and I, and I think it's great for it. Um, another film that I saw at London Film Festival yesterday was the film Siberia. And I'm not too sure if it is is really a horror. It stars Willem Dafoe as a man, a barman, a guy who owns a bar in Siberia. It's at the end of the world and he's essentially by himself. His bar gets frequented by the oddest of characters and... To be honest, this is more like a waking dream. It's like I've drank too much cough medicine and I'm kind of witnessing the results of that. It starts his wife for a, a brief moment as well as a pregnant lady who he kind of gets with. But it, I, I can't begin to describe what happens. Just It's just weird images of him in a cave talking to an evil version of himself, a bit like that Kermit meme. It has moments where he's surrounded by naked, bleeding people. Um, and it's just weird imagery after weird imagery. And uh, I I enjoyed it up to a point, but there's only so much naked Willem Dafoe I can kind of take. No, I really did enjoy it. And it was a real experience. And that's all the three of those films are at the London Film Festival right now. Um, so you can see it in some theatres or if you have a login to the uh, BFI industry site then it's still on there so yeah there's a few few picks for for you to watch this week uh going on to this week's guest it's damien levesque and natalie levesque who are the filmmakers behind the great 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 film that's currently on shudder and it's called the cleansing hour it drops today and they talk to me about the process in kind of making a film like this and approaching shudder and how that all works and and just the steps you have to do as a filmmaker in order to get a film made and there are a lot of similarities between them and how myself and rob kind of got started by making shorts etc so hopefully this is a good insight into the um, whole process of making a low budget horror film Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another Jed Talks. Uh, my name is Jed Shepard, as you probably know from the title of the podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Damien Levesque and his wife, Natalie Levesque. Am I saying that right, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent. I was worried about that. Um, and they're a team behind a great film that's coming out on Shudder today. Um, the day you're listening to this is the day it's um, being dropped on Shudder. And that's The Cleansing Hour, which I watched yesterday and absolutely loved. So I can't wait to talk to them about it. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, doing great. Doing well. Great, great. And uh, how I'd like to kind of like start these things is kind of um, because the audience listen to this are potentially a lot of filmmakers, up and coming filmmakers, kind of like me. And I can see from your history, you kind of have a similar backstory to me, it seems. It seems like you guys started in shorts. Yeah, I, well, The Cleansing Hour definitely started as a short film that yeah. was uh, I made as a proof of concept for the feature. Okay. And when, that was 2016. 16. Wow, excellent. Yeah. And what about that short um, made you think it could be a feature? Did you go into that short knowing it would be a feature or did you, like a proof of concept or was it just... Yeah, that was, that was the plan. The plan was to, to make the short film, uh, that we would shoot it as a proof of concept for a longer film. And then, you know, d depending on just how the, the cards fell, we would develop it into a feature. And it ended up doing very well. We, uh, you know, won a lot of awards. We went all over the world with it. 
Um, and it ended up being a very good sales tool for the feature film. So good. I'm, I'm going through that same process myself with, with, with a few things. And um, it's cool. And I, I always say to people who, who have shorts and, well, the, actually, the, the general population, they don't really know about shorts. I feel like it's only filmmakers that, especially in the UK, that appreciate shorts for what they are, potential um, calling cards for, for a feature. So when when the short was getting a lot of interest and winning awards in, in, on the circuit, how soon after that did you know you were going to make a feature-length version of it? Um, well, I mean, I think... I think it was pretty much right away. We that we we set off in the direction of doing that pretty much right away, um, but you know that process was about a two year process. You know to yeah. you know, write the, write the script and get the money together and uh, you know plan everything. Um, you know it's it, it it takes a while to do these things, but uh, totally. you know that was always kind of the game plan from the get go. I'll say from the money aspect of it because I'm the producer side of it. Yeah. the short was a Kickstarter. Um, uh, okay. We decided we had one Kickstarter in us. Uh, we've both <laughs> been entertainment for a long time. Yeah. Damien has always wanted to direct and was working as an editor. And so it seemed like the short was a way, if we can do a short, mm-hmm. that's a way to have a proof of concept to show to investors, to show to production companies, to prove, yes, Damien can direct and yes, I can produce. So. From that standpoint, we wanted it to be a calling card. So the goal and the hope was always to make a feature. But of course, had we not executed the short well, I don't think that would have been possible. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. Um, And based off the the kind of attention you got for, for the short, were you keen to keep the feature film similar to the short? Or did you already know from making the short that you wanted to change a few things around and and make it a bit different? There were similarities in terms, in, as far as the story was concerned, and the characters. Um, a lot of those things didn't change. Uh, style-wise, though, it was a very different animal, uh, just in terms of the the appearance of the movie and you know the the creative choices that I made um, was shooting it. Uh, I went a different direction uh, entirely, uh, but you know that's that's how that's one of the beauty of doing a short film is that if you if you shoot a proof of concept, you know you have you learn a lot doing that and you can and and you can adjust for whenever you go into the feature film which is a completely different animal entirely um but i i also want to say you know i I think for any filmmaker who's listening if you're if you're trying to get a feature film off the ground i I really do think that putting effort into making a stellar short film is a really good idea in fact i i would encourage you to only do it if you want to make it into a feature film otherwise i think a short can be kind of a waste of money because, um, you know, they, they are, I mean, it is expensive. And, I, you know, kudos to any indie filmmaker out there that can do it on a no budget um, and, and still make it look good. But if you really want to stand out, oftentimes you do have to spend a little bit of money. And I would say only do that if you, if you can shoot a proof of concept for a feature. I, I 100% agree. I, I've been in uh, short film showcases where my show, short film's been showing and they go down the line. So what are you guys going to do next? And none of the other filmmakers are thinking about turning their shorts in, in, into feature films. And um, I'm quite lucky that most of the shorts that I've uh, I've done, I don't know if you if you if you know know my history, but um, are being turned into like big feature films. And it's it's the first thing I think of when I think of doing a short. Like you have to think of the end goal. Otherwise, you're wasting yeah. a lot of people's people's time. I I feel. 
Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there are some standalone good shorts out there, but like for me, I'm always thinking if it's good enough, it'll, it'll be a feature. Um, so before we get on to what the film's about, and again, I have to trust, I absolutely loved it, uh, like what you did with it. Um, how did you actually get people interested to give you the money to like, was it just a matter of the success of the short? People were just handing you money fist over fist? Or, uh, how, oh, how did you I wish. <laughs> you want to take this one? Um, on the short, just one point before I go into the money, I yep. think horror is so much based on execution. Mm -hmm. I remember when we had the feature script, so many people were saying, well, this is, you know, the script is good, but it's so much based on execution, which yeah. is why I think the short was such an important sales tool mm -hmm. because we could say, look, we have executed it. We know the ending works um, because spoiler alert, the ending in the short is the same as the ending in the feature. <laughs> and, um, so I think that really helped us from a sales tool. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, I think that when we were bringing this to investors and sales companies and production companies, we heard no probably 800 times. Oh, yeah. You get really at good least. at hearing no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, we're just both very, very tenacious. We just don't stop, um, especially Damien. And so I think that you have to, you, you literally have to be okay with rejection over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a point at which we had a spreadsheet and he would be up at all hours calling companies in different countries, you know, mm -hmm. like London. Yeah. And you just have to constantly follow up. And um, ultimately, we were lucky because we did find investors who did believe in it. But especially for a first-time feature director, it is very, very difficult, which is why I think we probably could not have done it without having the short. Yeah. It's, it's great. And um, I... Like I'm a bit of a horror snob. Like sometimes, like especially when it comes to the, the subgenres of horror that I love, one of them's exorcisms, and I think it's really hard to do something original in the exorcism kind of game. But like straight away, I felt from your one, it felt fresh and it felt like original, and um, it had its own like I don't know, like world building, and it's it's really really good. And the characters you immediately kind of latch onto straight away, and you kind of you see yourself in some of them, and you everyone knows that one kind of like dick who's like every girl's <laughs> love and like yeah but um no I absolutely loved it so where did where did the story come from like is it something you've had for years and you've or or is it something you've, you've kind of come up with recently it was I think I think it has its uh its genesis in my in my history and working in reality tv I've you know I've been working as an editor for about 15 years and I've always been sort of fascinated with the uh idea that you know people think that everything they see on reality tv is real but in fact it's anything but you know, it's often, you know, highly edited and oftentimes scripted. And then I, you know, combine that also with sort of this fascination that with videos that people see online of, you know, people doing outrageous things, oftentimes the video is like low quality, grainy cell phone footage, shaky camera. Um, all of a sudden, like it lends itself to being more true, more verite, more authentic. If it's, if it looks like a shaky, grainy cell phone video, mm -hmm. people are shocked by it. it you know, it, it just feels like something that somebody shot on their cell phone and therefore it must be real. Yeah. So anyway, I took those two ideas and combined it with my love for exorcism horror, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you and I obviously share a, a love for that subgenre of horror and just thought, you know, what would happen if you took these influencers that are trying to do the same thing um, just with uh, exorcisms. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of grew from there. That's how, that's how it was born. That's cool. It did feel like there was a real knowledge of like behind the scenes and the production of, of these, um, 
of these reality shows um mm. and and we do get a lot of instances in real life where people do crazy things to to clout chase and to to kind of chase the high of having a lot of people watching you and they go, go further and further and further and i think this is a is a great representation of it um on, on screen um how did you come up with like the kind of the the, the priest character like the absolute kind of like dick basically but like he's a charming dick and everyone like loves him like does that come from like personal experience or someone you know well we live in LA so it's not that hard I'll let Damien uh, answer that he's the writer that's that's I mean that's true that that is true I mean like I think we've all that's one of the reasons why I like Max is because we've all met somebody who has a little bit in common with Max yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, there, there's obviously that aspect of his personality, but also, you know, like I wrote a lot of myself into Max in terms of like his history, you know, like yeah. Max, Max has, you know, had a traumatic experience in, in Catholic school growing up and, you know, I'm a recovering Catholic as well. Yeah, uh, you know, so like I got to write, I got to write, you know, my experience, like the, the, the whole school marm, the, the, the scary nun in the movie is inspired by my oh. great principal. But not the pencil bit. That didn't happen. Not the pencil bit. Right. Okay. Like, so <laughs> that that character though is inspired by a real person. Wow. And okay. so anyway, like that traumatic that traumatic effect um, was written into uh, to Max's character. And you know, I think I think there is something to be said about you know, everybody has like everyone's messed up in some sort of way. We all have some sort of baggage. Yeah. Max is carrying around this like, baggage of a traumatic event from his childhood, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's very relatable. And ultimately, what makes him more of an empathetic character later on in the movie. Yeah, I, I like the the producer character uh, as well. Was great, and that was um, it was Kyle Gallner. Kyle Gallner. Gallner. Yeah, he he was he was great. He, um, it reminds me of that um, that TV show that's on. I don't know which channel it's on in America, but where it's behind the scenes of um, of a reality dating show. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but it it felt really genuine and authentic, and the relationship that he had with 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 Max as well was was great. This kind of friendship, but there's obviously something between them that um, is secret secrecy, and um, and I love the way that you kind of made it the the demon or the the devil is the person that kind of makes them confront each other. That's that's great, and you do you do get some of that stuff in in other exorcism movies, but I think having it play on the world stage is something like new to me. Um, where where were you kind of insp- um, influences for this film? Did, did you did you have a particular handful of films that you had close to you when making this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I growing up, I was just I loved movies in general. So yeah, but uh, I don't know, somewhere along the line, probably when I saw The Exorcist when I was twelve years old, uh, you know, I was shocked into uh, that sort of horror, and I had a fascination with supernatural phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, The Exorcist, I, I have to just say it just because it, it kind of goes without saying, like, The Exorcist to this day is still the bar for all exorcism films. It, Definitely. It's set, yeah. it, it set all the conventions and everything, but it is truly one of the best as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that was very influential. But I was also really influenced by, uh, you know, S- Scott Derrickson, I think, has made some great movies. Uh, yeah. Deliver Us from Evil is really good. I really love The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, The Last Exorcism. That was also yeah. very influential as well, which has some c- crossover with The Cleansing Hour, but, you know, is is a, you know, it's a different movie entirely, but still, yeah. ultimately, I, I think it was successful in what it was trying to do. Um, you know, but also, I was really setting out to do something that, uh, make a movie that I would want to see, and, and at the same time, make something fresh and new with my own take or my own spin on it. And um, that was that was what was motivating the cleansing hour. I didn't want to just redo what we'd seen before. 
Mm -hmm. um, of course, you know, there are certain conventions that you just can't really get away from. But mm -hmm. ultimately, uh, ultimately, you know, it needed to be something that was going to grab someone and be like, OK, this is an exorcism movie that's different from everything else I've seen. Let's take a look. Yeah, I like how you how you address some of the tropes, the common tropes that you have in exorcism movies. Like, uh, there's one point where where Drew says, "Oh, she looks like every girl in an every exorcism." Like you ever you've seen, which is which, is, which I really like laughed at because yeah. obviously she does. She's a pretty kind of brunette girl, and you kind of expect that from from her film. But you kind of pointed it out. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a lot of that in the movie. We yeah. do the same thing with the with the. Uh, it's it's funny because you know, like Max takes you know Max is trying to like, take those take those tropes and and use them himself. Like, oh, if I just put the Bible on her face and you know say I command <laughs> you to leave, like that'll work. But um, but then of course we fall back on the we fall we do fall back on like the classic trope of you have to figure out what its name is so that you can get rid of it. Yes, but you do also <laughs> have the thing where like um, like when Max is reading anything from the Bible and he thinks that works, and 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 Drew is like, no, you have to have be specific, specific <laughs> which is great. Which I, which I haven't like I haven't seen before and like I'm I I, I don't know if you've you if you know anything about me but like I write films as well and um I'm involved in the sexism kind of potential film and um oh, really? this, I didn't know that. well no it's it's something kind of like I, I, I'm writing but it's um it's really interesting like watching how you did it because it's really a, a different direction from what I've seen before um. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, where did you find that? Where? How did you cast these people? Like, were they from the actual short? I haven't. Apologies, I haven't seen the short. Did you? That's okay. Yeah, the, uh, these are different actors from the short. Film. Right. Okay. Um, uh, we had a fantastic casting director mm -hmm. named okay. Claire Kuntz, mm -hmm. and um, I mean, especially for the role of Lane, mm -hmm. it was very, very difficult. We had multiple casting calls. We had three thousand submissions. Really, she was great. Um, Alex Angelis, yeah, such a name as well. Like, yeah, right. Then, yeah. yeah. Damien, do you want to talk about when you found Alex? Yeah. Well, I, we, I was, we weren't really, we, we, we didn't see any auditions that really clicked. Um, and then whenever I saw Alex's tape, it was like a light went off. It's like, oh my gosh, she's the one. That was amazing because the way that she delivered the lines, it just felt like this is exactly how I always imagined this being performed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I showed it to Natalie and then it made her cringe. I was like terrified. I was in bed and he brings me a phone and I like couldn't go to sleep. Yeah, and I'd watched this like 50 times from 50 other actors. So oh, that's wow. what was crazy about it. I wow. was like, she's terrifying. Yeah, when you know, good. you know, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then, then so we I, I started comparing everybody else's tape to Alex's, you know, to try and narrow it down. I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is she's the one. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how we got Alex, and then um, you know we we did a little bit of rehearsal, but really she just brought it. You know, there was there. That's the thing about having good actors is they really kind of make your job as a director much easier. Yeah. We, the way we she, really she switches really is great. Oh, oh yeah. so scary. That—that's actually one of my favorite parts about her performance. The way she was able to go back and forth. Yeah. Because she's playing two roles in the movie, and she, and she does it very very well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And what was um just what was your kind of over overall message for the movie? Is it that as consumers we're we're going down the toilet basically as <laughs> it, it, like the world is destined to be like end up in the in the swamp of human of i don't know like what 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 was the overall kind of message for them for the movie because I, I i absolutely loved it and I, and I came away thinking 
even though the ending is, and again, I'm not going to give it away, the ending is quite a downer in, in some ways, I felt it was quite uplifting because it was almost like people were unified in this in this horror. <laughs> like, So it was quite yeah. uplifting in that way. What, what was the kind of message behind the whole thing? Well, I, I mean, I think I definitely am, am pushing sort of like a, a negative message about uh, social media yeah. um, and, you know, the, the, the effect that it can have on people, you know, like the, every, all the spectators in the movie are sort of missing out on a, a part of their life because of, you know, watching this or paying attention to this mm-hmm. and missing out on more important things. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely a takeaway. Um, and, you know, also just a commentary on just like the, the vile nature of social media too. It's like everybody is so mean and hateful online because they can hide behind their keyboard. And if you read the chat feed on the, whenever we cut to the webcast, like you can see. I try to, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a whole, if you, if you go back and watch it, there's a whole other movie to watch if you just want to read the chat feed because it's, it's a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I mean, it's ultimately that, uh, you know, technology in a lot of ways is destroying our lives. I mean, to be paying attention to the people who are in front of us instead of the people who are on our screens. It's, um, um, I'm currently doing a movie with, with Blumhouse at the moment. Um, the, we're doing a few movies with them. And, and the first one, again, is, I'm trying to like not spoil my own movie, but like, because uh, we haven't even, we're shooting four weeks time. There is an element of a chat feed as well. So we're having to write the movie and then go back and write it again for just, just the chat. So it's almost a, a, like a little mini movie within within the movie and it's really yeah. interesting so did, did you as you were writing did you put in those other elements from the start or was it something that you went back on in the edit almost put extra stuff in there to kind of build the world that stuff was that stuff was done uh, after the fact unless there was something specific that was referenced like the, in the action you know right. like when, yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's a moment whenever max looks up to the screen and he sees that someone says something to him yeah, on the screen yeah. um that's written in but uh, but the rest of the text around it was all added later, and that's a fun. That was a lot of fun. What we did was we had about twenty people over to the house. We got everybody liquored up, and then we watched through each scene of the movie. And then on a shared Google Sheet, everyone's writing in their their chat text, and that's what ended up in the movie. And that's it was great. But that is such so a good fun. idea. Like yeah. I actually might steal that. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's a really good idea just because like you'll get different voices yeah. um, that you know you you wouldn't really be able to pull off as effectively if you just wrote it yourself mm-hmm. you know we had people who spoke different languages and you know uh people who you know made up things that were i, I could never come up with so we ultimately <laughs> it was a huge success i, I recommend it we yeah. kind of like assigned for people to have different like okay you're the christian who'd be saying i'll be praying for you and yeah. like, you're the vile troll you know, whatever troll yeah. and you're the political person who mm-hmm. just you know oh, is rooting for trump or whatever so it, it, yeah and it, and it kind of it's that kind of thing that makes you want to rewatch it and makes it rewatchable which brings me on to shudder like so how did you guys get involved with shudder what was was it due to the festival circuit they picked up or was it from day one they were involved we did have a sales company that ultimately you know, submitted it to Shudder, but mm-hmm. Shudder very early was interested in seeing it. Like, I think they mm-hmm. wanted to see dailies and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, they were, they were, they were interested in seeing it like, way before the movie was even done. Wow. Uh, good. But, um, and, and so it, that, it was nice to have them on board early. I mean, this really is like Shudder's the best home for the Hunting yeah. Hour and I couldn't have asked for a better time to have the movie released. Mm-hmm. So um, we're yeah. really happy to have them. Yeah, the only silver lining of COVID and quarantine Definitely. is that our movie is being released on Shutter, and probably more eyes will be able to see it. So. Definitely, like because yeah. w- when we when we released Host on 
July the 30th, like we just thought it would disappear into thin air, but like, like because of Shudder and because everyone's watching it right now, everyone's looking for entertainment. It, that's kind of how it blew up. Um, so yeah, I'll, like very grateful for them and, and and their service. And they're only getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which which is great. Sure. And, um, yeah, and ho- and hopefully the Curtain Hour um, is a big massive hit for you and 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 for Shudder because um, I I absolutely enjoyed it like so so much. I'm going to be recommending it to all my friends and. Um, all right, thank you. It's great. Thank you. Um, so what are you guys doing next? So you've got you've got this under your belt. Um, what are you looking forward to be doing in the future, or can you do stuff right now? Yeah, things are starting to to slowly pick up again. Um, you know, th- this year is this this year is still very uncertain, but you know that hasn't stopped us from working on new projects. We've got I've got a, a classic haunted house uh, movie that's all set against the Irish countryside and brings oh, Irish wow. folklore in, which is I'm really excited about. Um, I've got a contained uh, body horror that's got this amazing creature in it that I that I want to shoot entirely practically. Um, and I've got a, a high school reunion movie that's a horror movie that I'm uh, currently writing. That's awesome. And um, are any of them kind of already made or like will be made? Uh, to be determined. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could any of them be made like in, in the kind of this kind of quarantined, lockdown, semi-open situation that we have in the world? Definitely yeah. the contained body Ooh, is yeah. like two characters in a house. Yeah. So oh, that perfect. would definitely be possible in the COVID world you know yeah. there's not crowds of people or anything right yeah it's a lot of people yeah, looking the haunted, for content <laughs> yeah the haunted house movie is a is a bigger movie but it's mm-hmm. uh the the contained one is is perfect for the sort of like the covid crew like the small crew and like small cast yeah and a oh, very big creature. yeah yeah oh awesome i can't wait to see what you guys come up with next and again if you uh, guys like what you hear and you want to uh see this film then it's out today which is october the 8th um yeah. on shudder and if you don't have shudder just go to shudder.com you can do a free trial it's like a 30 day free trial um and if you're on amazon i think it's a seven day free trial but yeah the cleanser now is such a great movie and it deserves to be um in the um kind of with all the good films from the exorcism subgenre, like there's, there's actually you can count them on, on one hand all the good exorcism movies. So this is up there with with them for me. So yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. I appreciate it, Jen. No good luck with your film. Thank you. Thanks. Yes. Good luck shooting. And that was Damien and Natalie Levesque, the filmmakers behind the new Shudder film, The Cleansing Hour. And I meant what I said. It's a real good entry into the subgenre of exorcism movies. And it's just in time for Halloween. So if you are looking for someone to watch this Halloween, you can't go wrong with that. Um, Thank you for listening to Jed Talks. You've got multiple ways you can contact me if you wish to do so. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jed Shepherd, which is J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. Over the next couple of months, I may be busy. Um, If you want to email me, you can probably find my email address online, uh, but you'll find me 24-7 on Twitter, usually. Too much, actually. I'm on there way too much. Uh, So thanks for listening to my Jed Talks, and I'll see you again next week.